0: Well, while you're still standing, why don't you turn with me to Judges chapter seven. Judges chapter seven. I know our youth juniors are staying in today. I'm going to finally conclude this story on Gideon. Some of you are like, "Yay!" Some of you are like, no, I think five or six weeks on this. Hopefully we're getting what God is saying. Judges chapter seven, we're going to read quite a bit of scripture today. I want to kind of give you the full story and I'm going to summarize some of it. And If you're not already standing, would you stand in honor of God's word today as we read it? We can stand at a football game or a basketball game and shout for people we don't know. We can definitely stand for the word of God that is true and right, and honorable. That's our culture here. We believe in this thing. It's not just a book, it's not just a good story, it's not some mythology, it is the irrefutable, it is the unshaken, it is the absolute truth of the living word of God and he gave it to us as a manual for life. Thank you for all 57 people that agree with me, if you believe that this is the absolute truth. Then you, if you don't, then you might want to find a different church because we're going to preach the Bible. We're going to preach what the Bible says. And if you disagree with it, then that means you've got something that needs to change in you, not you change it. We conform to the Word, not conform the Word to our lifestyle. Already preaching. We yeah, haven't even read a scripture yet. <sighs> Sorry, I had a hair on my iPad. Maybe that was the wind of the Holy Ghost. Who knows? Judges chapter 7, verse 1. Early in the morning, Jerobel, that is Gideon, and all his men camped around the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moriah. Verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. He had gathered 30,000 men. The man who was called weak. Gathered 30,000 men and God said, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me, saying my own strength has saved. me.'" Now announced to the army, anyone who trembles with fear, he tells them if they're scared that they can turn away and go back. So 20 of them, 20,000 of them left. Now he's left with 10,000 people. He then says, you still have too much. I'm paraphrasing, but you can read it behind me says, you still have too much. He says, go down to the river and I want you to see how they drink the water. Do they lap it with their hands or do they suck straight from the river? And those who lap with their hands, he says, I want you to take those men. That was only 300 men. To The other 9,700, he said, send them home. So now Gideon has gone from 30,000 people down to 300. In other words, God depleted it to show them you don't need all that. You don't need all that. I have found in my life that God can do a whole lot more with a little than he does with a lot. Be like, okay, where is that? I, I think I remember a story, something about the five loaves and two fish. I think I remember just a little bit of oil, just whatever you have. It just takes a little bit. All you need is faith is the side is, of a what? Much. God can do a lot with a little. Maybe it's that you don't need more money. Maybe it's that you just need to learn how to budget what you've already been given. Well, I can't afford it. No, you haven't budgeted for it. Stop living feast and famine. Get your paycheck, pay your bills. That's famine. Get your paycheck, live at Christopher's. That's feast. And then the next two weeks, you live eating ramen noodles for the rest of the two weeks. I'm serious. Don't live feast and famine, build a consistent lifestyle, get a budget, set an amount. Don't don't waver from it. You want to live a life that is worthy and honoring of God. What he's given you, then budget your money, tell your money where it needs to go. Don't let it tell you where it needs to go. Some of you need to go in your garage and sell some stuff. Some need to go in your attic and sell some stuff. Some of you need to put that thing that's got a seven hundred dollar car payment and you need to put that thing back to sale. All right, I'll, I'll go ahead and move on. Still got like, twelve more verses. All right. Verse nine. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon. And this next paragraph, we see where he says, "Get up, go down and get to the camp, because I'm going to give, I'm going to give them into your hands." And he says, "If you are afraid," this is where God gives assurance once again to Gideon to show him, "I am with you." He says, "Go down there and." hear what they are saying afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he went down with his servant. They went down as they went down, they got near these tents. They started hearing the army, the enemy army talk about a a dream that they had and about how a barley loaf was rolling down the hill and took over the tent. And and all this calamity was beginning to happen. And one of the men said, this can only be from the sword of the son of Joash Gideon. They're going to take us out. This is the dream that Gideon is hearing being said from the enemy camp. So Gideon leaves, goes back up, and after he heard this dream and interpretation before he actually leaves, I think this is powerful. He says he bowed down and he worshiped God. Once again, he was given assurance. He returned to the camp of Israel and camped and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. And here's what I love about this one verse. And this isn't any part of my sermon, but here's what I love about this first verse. It hadn't even happened yet. But yet, how is he so convinced? It says, get up. The Lord has given the Midian camp into your hands. They had not won. But how is Gideon so convinced? The faith that he's speaking what's not even happened yet. And I believe sometimes in our life, we've got to speak to things that are not as though they were. Although your kid may not be back in church, you can begin to proclaim them being back in the house of God. Even though your money may not be where it needs to be, you can begin to proclaim and get a budget and it be back where it needs to be. Some of you need to learn to speak to it and prophesy over your situation instead of letting your situation prophesy over your life. All right, we better move on. We're going to be here all day. Verse 16, they get to see where they execute the plan. God does something impossible, it says dividing the 300 men into the companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. This is Gideon. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. I love the confidence that Gideon had. Because if you go back to Judges chapter six, you see where he begins to proclaim, I'm the weakest, I'm the smallest, I am nobody. But yet now we see him after God has spoken to him and called him a mighty warrior, a mighty man of valor. And now he is walking in the confidence that God has already spoke over. him. Do as I do, follow my lead. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men that he was with reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. And they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon while each man held his position around the camp. You see, some of us need to learn to just hold our position. Lord, I'm not even going to get to go through that. We got to hold our position around the camp. All the Midianites ran crying out as they fled when the 300 trumpets sounded. This is just amazing to me what's about to happen. The Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. Isn't it amazing how God can make the enemy turn on himself? All you need to do is hold your position. Ooh, told you we, we gonna get we better get that's not even my sermon. I gotta get to where I want to go. The army fled to the border, ran away. There's a specific part of this passage I really want to talk about today, it's nothing of what I've already said so far, other than a couple of verses that I want us just to look into. And I wanna preach to you today from the title. And I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to tell them my title today them right in the eye, some of y'all looking at me, look at your neighbor, it's big-eyed, look at them, real awkward, give you a couple seconds just to stare into the gaze of their eyes, learn their, their color of their eye, and tell them my title, say, they were wrong. Now turn to the other one, your second choice. the color of their eye, blue, green, hazel, brown, black. If they're red, start praying for them and tell them with confidence Say they were wrong. They'll be like, what's this have to do with anything? You're gonna find out in a minute. Let's pray. Father, We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it can do something that seems impossible. And I pray, Lord, that it would transform our lives, that you would renew our mind today, that you would speak to us in a way that maybe we have yet to hear from you. Transform us from the inside out. Let us not leave here the same way that we walked in. We need your presence, God. We want it. We see your glory. We know that what you can do in your presence. And so, God, we lean into that. We say, speak, we are listening. We want your word to saturate our hearts today. Help us to conform to your word, change, be renewed, be restored, because we need it. Let us rely on your word. Show us something today, God, that, that we need in our life right now. Lord, I pray that his words come out of my mouth. I pray, Lord, that it is your words and not my own. Allow it to fall on good soil today. Let them hear exactly what their soul needs to hear. Holy Spirit, if you need to change my words in their mind, Lord, change my words so that way it can saturate their soul and they can hear your word and they can glorify your name. Let it be sharper like it already is than a two-edged sword. Lord, let your word cut down to our core. Get rid of anything that is not of you. Get rid of anything, of any idea or ideology or theology that is not of you. And Lord, place your purpose, place your vision, place your thoughts, and place your word into our hearts. Change us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. 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 Give someone a hug before you seat today. Take a seat. Have you ever taken one of those, those personality tests? Anybody ever taken one of those personality tests? Like a, like a strength test or a personality test of some sort? And, and have you ever taken one and, and you read it? And as you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is me. And you, you like, as you read it, you have like this sense of, of understanding it's like like identity, clarity, almost, like, you, like this has given you language, the things you didn't know you needed language for. Like anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever done one of those? And you're like, oh my gosh. I, I enjoy uh, personality tests. I think they're fun and I enjoy seeing the results. And uh, we, we use them. We use them in this church. We use them when we hire people. We use them when we're gonna place someone in leadership. We use it when we see some character traits in somebody and we want a better understanding of maybe what they're doing. This all obviously comes down into the leadership realm to help us identify you know, someone's tendencies or ways of doing or ways of thinking. And, and when we see some of those things, it's simply, sometimes it's just to have a little fun. Sometimes it's just to help better understand the people that you're working with and find out how you're wired and what your motives are and how you operate. And I've done the Enneagram. Anybody know what the Enneagram is? Raise your hand if you know what the Enneagram is. Some of you know what the Enneagram is. Uh, how many of you are a one on the Enneagram? Raise your hand. Some of you are like, you don't know what I'm talking about. You, you'll find out today. You're going to search it on Google, and you're going to take the test, and you're going to be like. Ah! There's nine numbers, and somewhere you're in the middle of it. How many of you are a two? Three? Four? All the four is all you need. Ain't nobody like me. That's a Four? Five, all the book readers. Six, people who run around in fear. No, I'm just playing. I'm Just playing. Uh, seven, you're the people who make the buy the plane ticket, don't even have a hotel yet. Eight, that's me. I'm an eight, nine, all the peacemakers in the room. I mean, you've taken the, uh, the finder test. You may know the finder test. Yeah, I've taken the strengths finder. We're not gonna go through all those. There's like 97,000 of those. But, um, the DISC profile test, I've taken those. I've taken the Working Genius test. I've taken all the, all the tests. You've got Myers, Briggs, and I go down the list, or so on and so forth. And I enjoy taking these tests. They're, they're, they're enjoyable, they're fun, and although I enjoy them, and I believe that they are helpful, I have also found that I actually have a hard time with them, a struggle. Because what I begin to see is when they are taken and people read them and they start to see all their attributes, they start to see the way that they think and, and their, their, their motives, they start to see their style or certain character traits or how they're wired. What I've started to see is that people then live by the results that, that, that is said and the good and the bad and the ugly of every personality becomes this new embraced identity. All as one thing. And people begin to live their life entirely off this result, as if it's an absolute salute or absolute truth of their life, and they begin to have this response that this is just the way I am. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm just not a people person. It said it on my test, so I'm sorry that I'm not nice when you come in and I don't say good morning. I'm sorry, it's just the way that I am. I'm sorry, I'm just not good at following through. You know how it is and it's just my personality. You know, I'm sorry, I'm just not good at meeting deadlines or timelines. Matter of fact, being on time, I'm just not good. I'm sorry, you know, this is just how I am. I hope you understand, says it on my test. Go to the test, this is just who I am. Most people see it as their true identity to follow rather than a tool to be used. As we study this text today, I can't help but notice that there was a new identity trying to be placed on Gideon. Out of all that we read, there's two verses in particular, one even in Judges chapter six that we'll read, but you'll see where in Judges six, he smashed his father's altars. That was the message I preached a couple weeks ago, where he smashed his father's altars. He did them at night, even by the way, and by the next morning, when everyone had woken up, those were altars that were to a false god and God told him to build him a proper one so he built the new altars. And when everybody woke up the next morning, they were like, what happened? Who did this? And they began to find out that it was the son of Joash, which is Gideon, and they, they called him and attempted to give him a new name. They tried to place on him a specific identity. And then we get to Judges six thirty two is where it says, so because Gideon broke down Bell's altar, they gave him the name, Jerob Baal that day saying, let Baal contend with him. Trying to give him a brand new identity, so we see that they've changed his name and they've labeled him by something that he did and that they don't understand. Have you ever been named by something that you did an action, a mistake? Behavior, uh, an assumption. You'll know what assuming does, right? Yeah. For lack of a term, I won't say it, but put the words together. Throughout my life, let me y'all just now getting it. Throughout my life, I have come to understand that many people label you by things they don't understand because they're trying to make sense of it. They're trying to. What, what they have to do is they have to give it a name so they can better understand it. They have to kind of give it a name so they can put it in a category so they can completely categorize it. And what I've began to learn is that most people judge what they don't understand. And I would say that most of the time they don't even have a clue really about it. I, I've talked to people before, I've done this many times and and, and the, the, with what I do for a living and. As I've talked to people, they'll say, well, well, that person's just, you know, such and such. So-and-so's girlfriend, she's just this or that. And and oftentimes when people start to kind of say, like they give people these labels and they start to like throw these names on them and all, I ask them, how do you know? Have you talked to them? Have you asked them? Have you seen it for yourself? And most of the time, I will get, well, that's just what I've been told. By who? Probably somebody else that doesn't even have a clue. And now you have an assumption and a label on somebody that you don't even know and you don't even know about them. You don't even know if it's even true, but you'll live by it because someone else told you. What we see in our world today is that people are labeling other people and things that they don't even understand or really know anything about. And we when we get this wrong is when we base what it is on our own opinion rather than off of the truth of God's word. If I have a trait, if I have a tendency or a way I do something, a way that, that, that I talk or act or say something or even think about something and it doesn't line up with the word of God, I cannot use the response, well, that's just the way I am. I can't do that. I don't care what test you take. If if I were to talk to someone and I had a tendency to cut people off in conversation and over talk them in conversation for me to say, sorry. I know I have the problem of, of over-talking people. I know I kind of have this tendency, but you know, it's just the way I am. I hope you understand. I can't, I can't just do that. I can't just say, well, this is just a problem I have, and you're just gonna have to take it. You're just gonna have to understand this is just the way that I'm wired. It's just the way that I am, and you're gonna to have to receive it on your end. No, that's called being delusional. That's called being lazy. Because if you did that to me in conversation, I would tell you, you've got something that you are aware of that you are choosing to not get better at or change. You obviously know it's a problem and you're okay with living in that problem. Here's the thing that I've learned about these personality tests that some of you should realize it's not to give you license to act the way that you do. It does not give you permission say, this is the way that I am. Take this in any test. Take this this in your lifestyle. Take this in the way that you see the world. You don't get to just say, well, this is just the way that I am. It does not give you license. It is to open your eyes to see where you can improve, where you need adjustment. And this is what the Bible does. This is what the word of God does. As you read it, it is meant to reveal to you things in you that aren't of God, that need changing, that need transformation, that need you being born again on something that it's this biblical word called sanctification, whereas Things that are made known to you by the word of God or by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is then that you begin to process, go through the process of removing the things in your life that should not be there and replacing them with godly ones, with God's truth, God's way and his way only. You see, when they labeled Gideon with a new name, when they when they tried to give him a new identity, when they were placing a label on him, they, they weren't doing it to try to point out bad, a bad character trait, but rather they identified him with something that he did and something that they did not like. But what I love as you continue to read through Gideon's story is that as they tried to rename him in Judges six and we even get to Judges seven and he's being called by it again in the very first verse that we read, I've noticed that throughout the rest of this story, it doesn't even phase him. He doesn't even acknowledge it. There is no point in scripture or anything pointing to the fact that he even recognized that they tried to give him a new identity, that he didn't even acknowledge the fact that they're trying to call him by a different name. He continued to do what he was supposed to do, and he didn't allow the label put on him to deter him from the word that was put on in him. This could have been very easily thrown him off course. It could have very easily adjusted the whole way that this whole story was carried out. Because yet again, no one believed in him. He's an outcast. He's the weakest in his clan. He's the smallest in his family. But what we see is he stayed the course and he did not get swayed by the words of the world, but rather he stood in the word of the Lord this this new name was not the name that was spoken over Gideon if you go back to Judges chapter six and you get to read in just the first couple of paragraphs you will see where it says Gideon hello mighty man of valor hello mighty warrior God spoke a name over him that was completely different than what they were trying to label him as. They're trying to give him a new identity. They're trying to give him a new name on something that's not even him. And you see, I believe that some of you have been labeled by other people's names. That other people have tried to give you a new name. They've tried to give you a new identity, but it's not the name that the Lord has spoken over you. And I came to preach today a word to someone today, and that's this. Don't let the enemy put a label on you. That isn't what God put in you. God, God didn't or sorry, Gideon didn't allow the criticism of the other people that didn't believe in him or of the world to throw him off. He didn't he didn't allow it to adjust his course. And and I came today to tell someone that what they said about you, they were wrong. That what people have said, where they said, you're not smart enough. They were wrong. That you're not good enough. They were wrong. That you're not talented enough, enough. They were wrong. That you're not gifted enough. They were wrong that you're unqualified to do this, guess what? They were wrong. Your family history is against you. There's no way you can do this. Guess what? They were wrong. Well, you don't have a college degree. You can't do that. You'll never be anything. They were wrong. You'll never succeed. What makes you think you could ever start that business? What makes you think you'll ever make it through? Can I tell you today, they were wrong. In My life over a decade ago, literally 13, 14 years ago, I had I had something that was said to me. And and I, I got it said so many times. And I get this statement of stepping into youth ministry and Trying to figure this all out, I was like 21 years old, walking into youth ministry, been in ministry my whole life, raised in it, but never had led one, and it was a whole different ballgame. Thank you, Pastor Danny, for entrusting a 21-year-old joker to lead the youth, but. But I remember a quote being said to me. I finally got to a point where I got completely fed up with this comment, and I get the statement, but that was the statement that says, man, You've got big shoes to fill. I get it. The person before you may have been great. Let me say this. This is the response I finally told someone when I got fed up of hearing it. Guess what? They took their shoes with them when they left. I've got my own shoes. I'm not them. So whatever, whatever expectation you have, that was on them. That's not on me. They took their shoes with them. I got my own shoes. Yes, there may have been greatness in the person before me, but that greatness is not my greatness. I have my own identity. I have my own name that God has given me. I have my own purpose that God has put on the inside of me. I got my own calling. It's not their calling. So let me tell you, don't let someone's criticism deter you from your calling. Don't let what someone says about you to I could have taken that day to say, I'll never amount to that. My former youth pastor was amazing. He's great. I love him. I have a relationship with him to this day. But I, I, I got to tell you, I don't get why people even say the statement because it's not encouraging. I had the question. one, I said, how is it helpful with that comment? Like what? What do you expect? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I got big shoes to fill. Yeah, we cannot let criticism deter us from our calling. And it's not only criticism that people are wrong about. Let me also say it's also their praises. Because your relationship with criticism is a direct reflection of your relationship with praise. And I'll just say it. Some of you can't take feedback. Some of you can't take critique. Some of you have a hard time. The moment that you get critiqued or someone points out something about you and you begin to fall apart and all all from other end, like end to end, you, you begin to just get in shambles about everything. And this happens on the other end of this, too. Some of you can't handle their praises either. You, you, you desire it so much that when it doesn't come, it's as crushing as someone crit- criticizing. It. Are you understanding what I'm saying to that? The only way you can you can you can move forward in life is when you hear good job. You're amazing. Oh, you're the best in the world and the affirmation is killing. You. Just as much as someone was criticized. So if you want to fix your relationship with criticism, then you're going to have to adjust your relationship with praise. You've got to adjust it because the Bible says if you live by the sword, you will also die. Be careful that you don't. Off of either because whatever you feed off of will rule you. Whatever you run to will eventually run you. And your whole life will be based on someone else's word over you, someone else's identity that they try to throw on you, somebody else's label that they try to give you. And if you can't have you, you can't have a relationship with either criticism or affirmation, because they will both crush you. You don't need their words. Yeah, they feel good. But if you let them feel good too long, that's all you ever feed off of. That's why we have this thing in our pockets. And when we scroll, it's called a what? A feed. It ain't feeding us. It's like sucking air, saying I'm getting a good nutritious diet. It's empty. No affirmation, no criticism will allow your life to flourish. You have to know what God has put on the inside of you. When I read the story of Gideon, when I read this story, I see where no matter what somebody said, no matter what somebody did, no matter what label or identity they tried to throw on him, he got all the way to the end. He built an army of 30,000 men. And God said, you know what? You don't even need all that. What we see is that Gideon did not allow the label he did not allow what was thrown on him to deter him, not feed off of what they were trying. And he had adjusted his relationship with criticism, and as a matter of fact, he proves this point in verse 18. This is something that, man, it struck me when I read this. When he gives the command to his army in Judges chapter seven. Starting in verse 16, it says, dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. Here's where I want you to get this. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then the Lord, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord, and for Jerob is that what it says for the Lord and for the weakest in my clan for the Lord and for the smallest of my family that's what other people and that's what he believed about himself no it doesn't say that it says for the Lord and for Gideon why because he was trying to tell them it's the Lord who sent me he's first but it is Gideon inside of me the one who you didn't believe in, the one who you thought was the weakest the one who you thought for the Lord and for Gideon and I believe Gideon even had to remind himself I'm not who what they say that I am I am what God put on the inside of me. I am a mighty warrior. How does a man who's threshing wheat in a wine press, who's hiding out, who calls himself the weakest, build an army of thirty thousand? Because he didn't allow the name change to cure him. So, what name is being tried to throw today? What label has been thrown on to you? What assumption? as people labeled you by, and they don't even know you. Are you going to live by that? Are you going to live by the very word that God already spoke about you that says you are a royal priesthood, that you are a son and daughter of the most high God that he knit you and formed you in your mother's womb that you are beautifully and wonderfully made that he has a calling and a set purpose and a destiny on your life that the person next to you left right front and back does not have the same destiny as you to think about that God placed us on this earth in this era in this time I asked the question years ago God why did you place me on the earth now and he said because you're the one who I need and I'm here to tell you the very same word that God gave me is the very same word he's trying to say to you. You are the one that I've needed. What they've said about you, they were wrong. What they tried to speak over you, they were wrong. That whatever they tried to label you with, they were wrong. Because God already spoke something on the inside of you. And I believe that too many times we follow the labels and the the identity of the world, trying to throw it on us to try to confuse us. And it's made us delusional and it's made us lazy and it's made us try to walk away from the truth of God's word. And we have to get back to this book. We have to get back to this word of God. We've got to get back to this absolute truth because it tells us who we are. It tells us why we were made. It tells us what we're supposed to do. It tells us where we're supposed to go. It tells us who we're supposed to trust. It tells us what order we're supposed to follow. The world ain't got no book good enough. Because ain't none of them have a leader that's given up his own life and then three days later took it back. Go look at any other religion, their leader is dead. He does not live or she does not live no matter what imagery or what things statues they try to make to say it lives no we serve a living breathing resurrected Savior that walked out of that tomb that left those labels that everything that tried to get put on him those grave clothes were the things the world tried to lay on him he left them in that tomb to say baby I'm coming out of that Ain't nothing can hold on me ain't no cloth ain't no name ain't no label I am the risen Savior of the most my God, and my name is Jesus, and I come to set people free, I come to bring salvation to home. I come to bring hope to the lost, I come to restore those who are broken. That's the God that we serve. So are you following the label of the world? Or are you following the word of the Lord? What are we following? Are we allowing criticism to deter us? I believe that there's some of you today or you're in this room or you're watching this from the other side of a screen and you've allowed the labels of the world to define you. You've allowed the enemy to take over your land and invade your home and today the word of the Lord to you is this, they were wrong. Look at your neighbor and say, they were wrong. What they said about you, they were wrong you believe that today? I think you're still trying to come to that belief that they were wrong. They were wrong. What they said about you, they were wrong. Somebody say it out loud. Say they were wrong. You need to speak it over yourself. They were wrong. What they accused you of, they were wrong. What they said about you, they were wrong. They labeled you, they were wrong. I believe today is the day to shed those things. Today is the day to break those chains of identity that's not you and today is the day to <laughs> now I'm gonna be born again I'm not gonna follow what that world trying to throw on me I'm gonna follow with the word that God put in me I'm not Nah, no. Nah, nah, I can't let this I'm gonna shake 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 it off I'm not doing this no I don't love Taylor Swift I just said her song I don't want you to stand across this room today. I want to pray with you. Because I believe the enemy is trying to come in and destroy your identity. He's trying to destroy who God says you are. He's trying to destroy what he's put on your life. The Bible says that we have an enemy that's coming to try to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates you. He despises you. Why? Because the calling and the purpose that is in you is so much more powerful and he knows it. And if he can get in here and get you to believe the lies and get you to believe the words of the world, he will detour you He'll rob you of your life if he can. And if he can't rob it, he'll distract it. He'll get you focused on all this other junk that you're not focusing on what God is saying. You'll be so much more focused on the news. You probably listen to more news than you do read your own Bible. You are probably so much more focused on social media than you are reading your own Bible. I wonder if we were to read our Bible as much as we scroll on a feed. I wonder what would change in our life in the next 30 days if we said, you know what? For every hour I scroll, I'm going to do two hours of reading. I'm going to double my intake. I wonder how much your life would change. I wonder how much more confident you'd walk into this room. I wonder how much more purposeful you'd walk into that job, walking in the confidence that God gave you and the authority that God has already placed on you to have the responsibility to set people free through the power of the mighty name of Jesus because his word says, "Greater, it, it, he, he will do greater things. We will do greater things than he did, he said. That the power that rose from the grave lives on the inside of you. That he gave you that power. I wonder what would change. I wonder what could set free. I wonder what ideology you've lived your whole life with can begin to just shed off you and you walking out of that that meeting place with God like, you know what? Mm Uh uh-uh, I'm not, uh uh-uh, I'm not, mm, no, that was not me, that's not me, I gotta shed some stuff, I gotta, uh uh-uh, I gotta get this off me, this ain't what God said, I'm gonna strip these grave clothes off, if Jesus left them in that grave, then I'm gonna leave them too, if I gotta take my clothes off and dance like David danced in the middle of the street, I'm gonna dance like David danced because I know what Jesus did, and I know what he's trying to do, and every day may not be perfect, but I'm gonna keep taking step by step, and I'm gonna keep walking just like a new deer getting their legs, and I'm gonna walk Towards my heavenly Father, and I'm going to walk towards my risen Savior and say, "God transform me, God change me, God renew me, God restore me, God heal my mind, heal my heart. let get rid of any bitterness, get rid of any unforgiveness. Change me, Jesus." So every every head bowed, every eye closed in this room today. Maybe you've allowed the labels to identify you. Maybe you've altered your whole identity because what the world said was okay. Maybe you've allowed the lies of the enemy to control who God says you are. You've given your life over in the hands of the enemy. But just like in Judges chapter six, where it says a prophet came, they cried out to the Lord and the Lord sent a prophet to remind them who God was. I've come today to remind you that he is a God who loves, he is a God who sets free. He is a God who wants to make all things new in your life. He can restore you. He will redeem you. He will sanctify you. He will turn your life around. He will change things in you that seem unchangeable. He will break chains off of you that seem like there'll be a stronghold around you. He can begin to shed some things off your life. That, that worry, that doubt, that fear, that depression, that anxiety, that, 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 that anger that's in you, that bitterness that's in you, that unforgiveness that's in you, the things that are holding you back. He'll walk up there with a the set of like chain bolt cutters and begin to just take those chains off your life If you're in this room today or you're on the other side of a screen with every eye closed today and you say I need Jesus to set me free today I've been living by the identity of the world and I want to live in the identity of the word that God spoke if God is calling me a mighty warrior I want to be a mighty warrior for him maybe you've never made the decision to give Jesus The keys to your life. Bible tells us that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks, that if anyone ever opened, he will come in. Today, he's knocking. You let him in. You open the door, because he's there. He says, I wanna give you a new life. I wanna restore that broken heart. And I came so you didn't have to live in that guilt and that shame. That I bled my blood and I poured out my, my last breath on that cross so you, you could walk in the freedom and salvation in my name, Jesus. That you can spend eternity with me. And all you've gotta do Bible says that if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Jesus from the grave, it says, I will be saved. Now, the scripture says that if we would just call upon the name of the Lord, it says you will be saved. So today, I want to pray that prayer with you. If you've never prayed that prayer before, or maybe you've allowed the enemy to re-identify you, you need Jesus to speak his words back over your life again. You say I want to give him the keys to my life. I want him to be my Lord and leader. When I count down from three, I just want those people to raise their hand boldly in this room and on the other side of a screen. Say that's me. I want Jesus. Ready? Three, two, one. Just lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. I see, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. Just lift them high. Keep them high. Keep them where I can see you. I see you down here. I see you. I see you. Just lift them high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see You all the way at the top, I see you. I see you, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. I see you right there above the tunnel, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. I see you all the way in the back there, I see you. I see you right up here on this tunnel, I see you, I see you right up there by that rail, I see you, I see you. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I see you down on the floor, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. I see you. Just a few more seconds. Hands are still going up. Come on. Make that decision. Let him be Lord and leader of your life. He wants to set you free. He wants to redeem you. He wants to make you new. He wants to give you a new life. You'll become a new creation. You can be born again today. That old life can be gone. That new life can come into your life. Things will begin to change. You'll walk out of here a brand new person. You may not walk out of here looking different, but every day that word sanctification is going to begin to happen, and you're going to take step by step, and God's going to transform you. He's going to renew you five more seconds just lift them up I see you yes I see you I see you come on come on just lift it up don't let this moment pass you by I see you thank you Jesus just lift them high three two one anybody else anybody else I don't want you to miss this moment this is a divine moment between you and God you are destined to be here today thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Jesus. I see you I see you All right. we can all put our hands down I want us to pray this prayer that I was talking about I'm going to say it out loud where our ears can hear us. It's a simple prayer. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. Today, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Be my Lord be my savior i give you my life today make me new wash me clean i trust you i put my hope in you thank you for the free gift of salvation help me walk every day according to your word in jesus name i pray everyone shout a big amen 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 amen